Good morning. Welcome to St. Mark. We're glad that you're here. Uh, This morning we are going to be getting into the subject that is Jesus the only way. And and so really, as a Christian, I think we could do this. I think we can give a drum roll. And the answer is yes. Okay, great. Now let me pray. Let's bring the band back up and let's get on out of here. No, we can't do that because... This is a huge issue in our culture. For a lot of people, they have a hard time with this. Like in our video, um, this is something that that people wrestle with. And and honestly, not just, when I say people, other people. I mean, Christians as well. I I know myself, I've wrestled a ton with this. Because after all, kind of like in the video, it's this idea that, wait a second, if you're saying that Jesus is the only way, then what about everyone else? Are are you just saying that they're all wrong? Are are you saying that the people... Uh, who aren't Christians or who don't know Jesus, they're going to end up in hell. And, and so really, as a culture, uh, we've kind of come up with this. We've come up that Christianity appears to be very closed-minded. It comes up that, that hey, uh, Christianity, if, if, if that's what you believe, then, the, then what about everyone else? And now I think that this is a misunderstanding, which we're going to get into later, But then people move on to not just about the exclusive claims of Christianity, but then they move on to the nature of God. And they'll say things like this. They'll say, how can a loving God, because after all, if God loves everyone, then how come not everyone's going to be with him in heaven? And and so they really go after the, the nature of God. They go after the character of God whenever they say things like this. And after all, how could a loving God create a system where if there's billions of people on this earth today, then that means that billions of people are going to be in hell. How could a loving God create a system like that? And you see, I think that if we knew his story, I think if we knew the Bible, we would have an entirely different perspective than that. I think we would. We would find that God to be loving and patient and forgiving, and that God is very inclusive, that God is very loving, and he wants all to be with him in heaven. Now, I think that most people, uh, whenever they ask this question, is Jesus really the only way? I think that in our culture, we have created answers for this, by and large, in pop culture. And in 21st century America, we get most of our theology, of course, from celebrities. Uh, For some reason, it appears like that, doesn't it? It appears that um, whenever celebrities are just given this platform, they're just given this elevation, and whenever, uh, they're they're not trained theologians, but whenever they speak, it's amazing at how many people listen. So, for example, we have uh, this right here. We have the Coexist movement, and uh, one of the big champions for this is is one of my personal favorites, Bono from U2. I absolutely love U2 and love Bono. Um, But this is one of the things that he had been uh, really advocating for was this idea of coexist. Now you look at it and it's oh so creative, isn't it? You take different symbols of the major world religions. Wow, that's really cool. And and it's this idea that, hey, let's just just all get along. Have you heard someone say that? Why can't we all just get along? And it it is that. It's that, uh, why can't we just coexist on this earth? and, And you're okay and I'm okay okay, let's just tolerate each other. That's kind of this idea with coexist. And then you have people like Oprah, and one of the things that she said on her show was one of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live. Instead, there are many paths to what you call God. Many paths. We're going to look at that in a moment. Uh, Madonna, Q Magazine, March 98. 
I do believe that all paths lead to God. It's a shame that we end up having religious wars because so many messages are the same. Christian Smith, who was a sociologist and uh, an author, he did a big uh, intensive research study of teenagers in America. And it's even from 2005, so it's already kind of a little dated at this point. But he interviewed teenage Christians. Now, these weren't just any teenagers. They were Christians that showed up to youth group and were invested in their church. I mean, they're the kind of Christians that would say, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Okay? That's the kind of Christians that he interviewed. And yet, one of the things that he found was that 60% of them, so more than half of them, they go to church, believe in Jesus, all that kind of stuff. 60% of them uh, said they would agree that all roads equally led to God. So where does this leave us? Well, it is true that in a lot of world religions, there is this common thread of morality. Um, For example, we have the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? Well, Jesus said it, but did you know that also Buddha said it, and so did Confucius, who were both before Jesus. Now, for some people, Oh my gosh, this just makes their day because they get to jump up and down and say, see, and they have toppled Christianity right there because that proves that all religions are exactly the same, right? Just because Jesus said it and so did Confucius and so did Buddha. Wow, exactly all the same, right? Well, no, (laughs) not exactly. And in fact, even whenever you talk about this idea of morality, uh, what is morality? Because uh, in, in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, there's, there's a set of laws, and then we have Christianity, which has Jesus, which has the fulfillment of these laws, and then we have Islam, which has another set, and then we have Hinduism, which has another set of, of laws, depending upon which deity that you follow. And so even this idea of morality is they're not all the same. It's not that, it's not that we're all going by exactly the same moral code here. We're all going by different sacred texts. We're all going by different uh, commandments, different, different morals here. And so, so here's kind of the question, though, is this, is that is, it comes down to who Jesus is. Is Jesus just another religious figure? Or is there something unique about him? And as Christians, we would say, yes, he's Lord. He's Savior. Uh, he's the second member of the Trinity. So the question is, how did we get here? And we got here not just overnight, but a a few different ways. Um, We got here primarily, I would describe it like this. It kind of starts with globalization. See, 100 years ago, major world religions were geographic. So if you lived in North America, chances are, not 100%, but chances are, you were a Christian. If you lived in the Middle East, chances are you were a Muslim. If you lived in India, chances are you were a Hindu. And so uh, you were pretty much geographically located. And uh, you may have heard about other religions. Uh, You would study them in a textbook or something. But it's not like all of your friends around you were of different religions. Now, there were Methodists and Buddhists, and, or, sorry, Methodists and Baptists and <laughs> Presbyterians, okay, for those of you who are paying attention, okay? Um, but there was not this religious pluralism like we have today. And so uh, with globalization, I mean, it's really new in, in the history of the world that you can take a credit card and swipe it and be uh, across the world overnight, all right? That's very new. 
And, and so, so now all of a sudden, your neighbors who one was Presbyterian and one was Baptist, now all of a sudden, um, you have a neighbor that moves in, and he comes from China, and he's Buddhist. And, and so now all of a sudden we have this religious pluralism, okay? Multiple religions is what religious pluralism means. I was even talking with a teenager yesterday, and he said that in his um, uh, lab, his study group, that he has a Buddhist and a Satanist as part of his group. Uh, a little different than maybe when some of us went to school, and it was, you had a Presbyterian and a Methodist, okay? It's just a little different today. So we have religious pluralism, and then with that, we have confusion of God's story. And so as a result, now we're starting to second-guess Scripture. We're starting to second-guess uh, the Bible and what God has revealed to us about how he wants to save us. And, and so it's kind of like this. We, we look at our neighbor and say, oh, I see him practicing his religion. It, it's curious that, that he does that. Huh, that's kind of cool. I mean, it works for him. He's so spiritual. It must be good for him. And, and so now all of a sudden we have confusion of God's story. R rather than acknowledging, hey, here's a sinner who needs Jesus, we say, well, maybe whatever he does works for him. So now we have this confusion of God's story, which then ultimately leads to tolerance, where we say there's no reason to share Jesus with our neighbors because whatever they do works for themselves, to each his own. And so now we have tolerance. And, and the irony of all this is that as a Christian, rather than sharing Jesus, rather than knocking on the door and introducing them to the saving grace that Jesus has to offer, we just look the other way and say, eh, whatever, it works for him. Okay? So that's how we ended up here. And now to backpedal a little bit to get out of this, we need to do a few things. The first thing that we need to do is we need to rediscover God's story. We need to rediscover God's story. See, here's the thing. It may sound like uh, that God has created this exclusive system, um, you know, trying to make people say that they're a Christian, otherwise they're going to be in hell. And, and really a lot of people look at this and say that's not very loving. But here's the thing. If we actually go to the Bible and actually read it, I know that's kind of the hard part for some people, right? Uh, we actually got to open the Bible and read it. But if we get into Scripture, we're going to find about how God is a loving God who constantly is pursuing us. And, and even in the beginning, God creates everything, and he says that it is good. And at the very end of chapter 1, he says that it's all good. So he's like, it's all good. Okay, God is saying that everything is, is good here. It's literally heaven on earth. And Adam and Eve, he creates uh, humanity. And what does humanity do? Humanity rejects God and says, God, I know your way, but, but I think that our way is better. And, and they want it to be like God. And so, so they ended up eating the fruit. They rejected God. And then now, all of a sudden, humanity has this separation from God. That, that because God is holy, he cannot dwell in sin. And Adam and Eve have sinned, and so now there's the separation. And God does not end the story there. It's not like we have Genesis 1, 2, and 3 as the whole Bible, okay? The story does not end there. But rather, God creates a path for Adam and Eve to be restored, to be forgiven. And all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we find God constantly, uh, humanity rejecting God and running away from God, and God constantly recreating and making new, and God constantly forgiving, and God constantly creating this path for reconciliation. You see, even if we look in the first commandment, we find this. We find God saying, I am the Lord your God, 
you shall have no other gods before me. That's the very first thing that God says in the, in the Big Ten, the Big Ten Commandments, is that he is our Lord. We are not to have any other gods. And yet throughout the Old Testament, what do so many of God's people do? They reject God. And so, and then God forgives them. And so if we, if we have this perspective um, that, that worshiping other gods and idols are not just another path to spiritual fulfillment, but rather if we acknowledge what the Bible calls it, which the Bible calls it rejecting God, the Bible calls it sin, the Bible calls it idolatry. Whenever we recognize that, and then we recognize that God still goes out of his way to create a path to forgive us, even after we reject him, then all of a sudden our perspective shifts on this whole salvation thing, doesn't it? Romans 10 uh, even kind of sums up the Old Testament this way. But concerning Israel, he, God says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. See, God is a God of love. And, and he created a path for us to be in heaven, that we can be saved, that we can be reconciled with God, that once broken relationship. So much so that he even sent his only son, Jesus, and Jesus even suffered and bled and died for us. And then now this forgiveness, this restoration can be extended to all people everywhere. To us today in 2016, we can receive that forgiveness. Because in our trespasses, we were dead. And God created a way for us to be saved. See, if we have that kind of a perspective, then honestly we're not looking at God anymore, shaking our fists at him and accusing him of being an unloving God, are we? No, we're not looking at God saying, God, how dare you, you create a system where only Christians are in heaven. Instead, we look at it and say, on our own, we deserve hell. We do. It's not something you hear a lot in pop culture, but it's true. Is that on our own, we have sinned against God, and so we deserve death. We deserve hell, absolutely. And yet, God has gone out of his way to rescue you, to save you, to love you, so that way you can be with him forever. And so how in the world, if we have that as our perspective, how in the world can any of us look at God and accuse him of being unloving or not fair? It absolutely doesn't make sense. We've got to rediscover God's story here. The second thing that we need to do is that we need to rediscover the uniqueness of God in three persons. We need to rediscover the uniqueness of God in three persons. You see, if we look at what Oprah and Madonna and Bono, if we look at what they're saying, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this diagram here. Okay, uh, we have a mountain, and, uh, and by the way, you could put probably dozens of other uh, world religions on the bottom. You know, you can add, uh, you know, Mormonism, uh, Wicca, etc. But uh, for the sake of the diagram, I just chose a few, okay? But it's kind of like this. It's saying that there's multiple paths that lead to the same God. And what they'll say is they'll say, yeah, like have you ever been rock climbing or uh, hiking? You'll note that different paths look a little different, you know? So like, for example, Judaism's got a little bit more snow than Islam, okay? Uh, and that's what they're arguing here. They're saying, yeah, it's going to look different. But ultimately, by really what they're doing is they're still on the same path and they're still worshiping the same God. And I put God in quotes 
And even some people are uncomfortable with this word God, and they'll use you are, ultimate reality. So it's almost like there's, you've heard the, there's like a higher power. It's, it's that kind of a thing, uh, because we're not really sure who God is. That's what some people would say. And so, so they're on this path to, to this God or this uh, ultimate reality. And, and for me, um, and I've drawn this diagram like on a note at Starbucks before, and it works pretty well with my friends when we talk about this, because really it's, it's an easy thing to look at and say, oh, that sounds so great. Oh, wow. Wow. Doesn't that, wouldn't that be cool? Well, I mean, look at what they're saying here. Um, because if you're saying you're really going to end up at the same place, then what I like to do is I like to start at the destination and work backwards and say, okay, uh, let's look at the destinations. Say if we look at Judaism and Islam, we have those two, they do have, they claim one God, but if you read the Hebrew Bible and you read the Quran, you're going to find that the way that Jews describe Yahweh is very different than the way that, uh, the way that Muslims describe Allah, okay? Um, it's, it's just not the same. It's, it sounds like it is, but it's not. The way that they describe him, it's very different characters, very different natures of, of, their, of their God. And so really, it's like you end up at different destinations, even within the one God category. Christianity is unique. No other religion has this. We have the triune God. We have the Trinity. It's God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so it's a mystery, but there's one God that exists in uh, three members, three persons, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the big deal here is that we believe in Jesus. So we're singing Mighty to Save. We're singing uh, about how Jesus is our Savior, about how he is our Lord. As Christians, that's unique. If you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, congratulations, you're a Christian. You don't believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, congratulations, you're not a Christian. Easy, right? So as Christians, we have a very distinct path here and a very distinct destination. And then Buddhism, this is kind of interesting. It's, uh, it's more like nihilism in the sense that uh, they want to uh, simply uh, be one with everything. It's almost like they want to not exist anymore, okay? Uh, they want to uh, just achieve this nirvana. And so for them, there's no personal God. Uh, like for us, we say God is our Father. We even cry out to Him, Abba, Daddy, Father, personal being of God. In Buddhism, there's no personal being. Instead, it's kind of like there's this force. Uh, you've heard, may the force be with you. Well, George Lucas got it from somewhere, okay? Um, he really did. And this is, this is what we're talking about here. It's this, it's this kind of um, divine uh, metaphysical force, and that's Buddhism for you, okay? Uh, Hinduism, this is a lot of fun, depending who you talk to and, and who writes about it. But, um, but one uh, a Hindu that I read about talked about how there was upwards of 330 million gods. Uh, don't know how you keep track of that many, but uh, somehow he had, he had made that claim. And really, as a Hindu, you kind of pick whichever uh, divinity that you want to follow. And, and so, so, for, so here's, look at this, okay? They can't all be right. Either there's one God, there's one God in three persons, the, the Trinity. There's no God, or there's 330 million gods. But they can't all be right. And in fact, if we were to look at our coexist bumper sticker, maybe it looks more like this. Okay, maybe this is more in line with reality than coexist. It says contradict. All right, contradict. They don't, they're not all the same. So the thing here is that we need to rediscover the uniqueness of one God in three persons, the Trinity, the triune God. 
And really, whenever people say that, uh, they say that, well, there's multiple paths to the same God, really what you're saying is you're saying there's nothing unique about Jesus. You're saying he's really not Lord and Savior. You're saying he's just one of many. It's, there's nothing unique about him. And yet, what does Jesus say? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, this, this exclusive claim here is, again, about us being dead in our sins and our, and our trespasses. And it's God who saves us. It's God who rescues us. And what is that way? What is that path? It is none other than through Jesus Christ. So then the third thing that we need to do is we need to not tolerate, but rather that we need to love others. And some of you are asking, well, aren't they kind of the same? No, <laughs> they're not. Because think about it. When, when do you use the word tolerate or tolerance? Uh, it's usually for things you don't like, right? You can talk about, for example, tolerating pain, or maybe you tolerate your kid's music, all right? Or if you're a teenager, tolerate your parents' music. <laughs> okay, but usually it's something that you don't like. And that's what tolerance is. And I gotta tell you, you're just not gonna find anywhere in the Bible where Jesus says, now therefore go and tolerate people. <laughs> you don't find it. You know why? Because Jesus says that we're to love people. And there's a difference. Uh, don't believe me, uh, after this, go and go home, have lunch. And lean over to your spouse or a loved one and say, look at them deep in the eyes and say, honey, I tolerate you. Mmm. Mmm. Settle down, people. Settle down. Isn't that romantic? It's not. You don't, this tolerance movement, it sounds so caring. It's not. It's apathy is what ultimately what tolerance is. And here's what I mean. See, whenever you tolerate someone, you just let them do whatever. Um, but if you love somebody and you see someone destroying themselves, then you're going to step in and you're going to say something because that's what a loving person does. That's what a true friend does or that's what a true family member does is to actually step in at times, and it's difficult, but to share hard truths with that person. That's what love is. That's not what tolerance is, but that's what love is. Here's an example. Um, there was a big flood in Texas back in April. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was nuts. I had never seen anything like it. Uh, we were from a distance. It was great. I grew up in Houston, and the whole town was underwater, it seemed like. Uh, but there was this, this one bridge that um, was so flooded that even the, the, it was over the bridge. So it's like, here's the road, and then you can't really see where the road is anymore because it's just like a river, right? And so the uh, emergency responders come out, and what are they going to do? They're going to block off the road to prevent people from driving on this road because they know that if you drive on it, then uh, you're going to uh, for sure lose your car. You could even potentially die. You could even potentially drown. And so uh, the emergency responders come out, they try to barricade it, and I say try because there's always that guy. You know that guy? Hey, I got a lifted truck, I could do this. So he thinks he can do it. And, and so uh, watch this right here. Here he goes. Yeah, there's no uh, music to this, but if there was, it would be dum 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 dum. Dum 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 dum. And there he goes. <laughs> Dum, 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 dum. Yeah. 
you just got to wonder what he's thinking, you know. <laughs> tonight he's going to try to swim. And, <laughs> See, if you, were, if you were there, the loving thing to do would be to try to prevent that guy from making a fool of himself, put himself in, at risk, and almost destroy himself. For sure destroyed that car. I don't know, maybe it went on, you know, Craigslist or something. Someone tried to buy it, but, uh, but for sure destroyed that car, right? And, and so here's the thing. If, if you uh, love someone, then you're going to prevent someone from destroying themselves. If you tolerate someone, then you're going to allow them to do it. And in fact, uh, tolerance in our culture is less about allowing someone and it's more so encouraging. It's waving at them, saying, good luck, have fun. Oh, wait, you're drowning. Okay, try to swim. And that's what tolerance is. The last thing that we're called to do is not just love others, but we're called to share Jesus' saving power. We're called to share Jesus' saving power. See, whenever we look at the mountain, the problem with the mountain is that we look at our neighbors and say, I don't need to share Jesus with anyone because they're on their own spiritual path and it's fulfilling for them. And yet what, what God calls us to do is God calls us first to recognize the uniqueness of Jesus and how he saves us and how he loves us, uh, but then secondly, to go and to share that with other people, okay? And so we're called to share Jesus' saving power. Um, there's a really cool story in Acts 17 um, about a town of Athens. And I think that Athens is a lot like 21st century America in that there was religious pluralism in Athens. So there was a ton of religions. And in fact, what they did was they built a statue for each god uh, just in case. And in fact, they went so far out of their way to be just in case, they actually dedicated a statue to an unknown god. Just in case, if it turns out there is some god out there and they didn't build a statue for him, to an unknown God, okay? They're covering all their bases here. And so uh, Paul shows up on the scene, and first what he does is he walks around the marketplace, so he notices that, and he's with the people, talking with the people, and then he gets invited to go to some of the top philosophers of that time. And so he actually gets invited uh, to this, this meeting called the Areopagus on Mars Hill, and he gets uh, to speak, and they give him a chance to speak, and he gives a sermon, um, that's much shorter than mine, okay? It's only like three pages long. But he gets up, and what he does is he gets up and he boldly proclaims the news of Christ. Um, he talks of the full story, not just part of it, the full story about sin and, and death and about how Jesus was crucified and about how he rose again from the grave. He gives this full story and then calls people to believe in that. And there was mixed reactions in the room. I mean, you've got to imagine these are the top philosophers. So some guys laughed at it, other guys considered it, and then other people believed, and they were even named as, you know, so-and-so was, was one of the Areopagus here. And the reason they're listed is probably because they were well-known as a church leader in that area. And they would say, oh, that guy, that's where he got to start. Oh, that's where he became a Christian. And, and so the thing is that for Paul... It wasn't his job to convert anyone. His job in religious uh, pluralistic society, his job was to share Jesus, and he did. He didn't back down from it. He did. He shared Jesus in truth and love. And then what he did was, as well, um, he, he left it for God to do the work. And sure enough, for some people in that room right there, they were ready to believe it. And so in the same way that we need to share that love with others, we need to share Jesus with others. Because after all, it's, it's Jesus 
who saves. It's, it's not these other gods. It's Jesus who saves. And, and if we truly believe that, then we're going to look at our neighbors and we're going to look at our friends and our coworkers and our, um, our family, and we would look at them and say, not just you're on your path to spiritual fulfillment, that's cool. We would instead look at them and say, you know what? Um, you need Jesus in your life. And, and let me introduce you to Jesus. Let me tell you about him. All right? And so that's what we're called to do because it's only Jesus who saves. It's Jesus who forgives. And all God's people said, amen. And with that, let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, indeed, you are the only way. You are the truth. You are the life. Lord, we know that this is not uh, supposed to be some sort of uh, exclusive claim that's meant to sound like that you are uh, judgmental or that uh, you're closed-minded or something, but rather, Lord, it's to recognize that on our own, we are dead in our sin. We are dead in our trespasses. And we need you, God. And you have gone out of your way to rescue us and to save us. And it's through Jesus, it's through the cross that we receive that. And so, Lord, we pray that as we head into our work week or as we go back to school or as we uh, visit with family and friends, Lord, we pray that we can really grasp that. And Lord, we pray too that we can share that with others who need to know. And all this we pray. Amen.